You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. All right, let's rewind back to Father's Day. Uh, Father's Day, I had uh, the privilege to preach uh, to this congregation, to the men. And uh, I had an opportunity to preach on legacy. And um, it, it, legacy, was, my heart for the message wasn't just to leave uh, money and property behind um, to, to the people that we love and the people in our lives. But my heart behind this idea of legacy was to leave a lasting impact and influence to those in our lives and to the world around us. Um, I, I preach that, that a legacy is not only about memories and, and, and mementos, but it's about leaving an imprint and, and an impact in the, the new generation and the generation that's coming from behind us. And um, it, legacy, leaving a legacy is about living a life that honors God, that glorifies God, that, that, that we, uh, leaving a legacy means that we are loving our world and that we are impacting our world and influencing our, our world. And, um, and that, that doing that and living in such a way leaves a lasting impact. Um, I use Paul's life as an example of what legacy looks like. And Paul, if you know, he was an amazing man of God. And yes, he had some hard times and, and he had some struggles and there were some trials and there were some beatings. And we, we listed all the things that Paul had to endure. But yet every day he, he glorified God by getting up and serving the Lord, um, all the way into his final breath. And he left Timothy with three points that summed up his life of legacy on how to live a life of legacy. And it was fight the good fight, finish the race, and keep the faith. And Paul's example was left in Scripture to encourage churches everywhere, even us today as we read uh, his writings. It encourages us and it lets us know that if you want to leave a legacy, we must fight, we must finish the race, and, what, and we must be faithful. And um, I wanted to dive a little bit deeper this morning about this thing about running the race. And we kind of just kind of glossed over it in, during Father's Day, but I wanted to take this time to, to kind of jump in and go a little bit deeper if we can. Um, so let your neighbor know that you are in a race, that they are in a race. Tell your neighbor, they are in a race. If you do not know, you are in a race. And I love that Paul uses athletic metaphors, um, um, I love it because I love sports. So not only do I get to enjoy Jesus when I read the Bible, but I also get to hear sports metaphors, which helps me and encourages me and, and speaks to me in a certain different way. So I love sports. If you know me, like Ken was talking about show business, I'm not a movie guy. I, I don't watch movies. Um, I don't. There's a lot of disappointment uh, <laughs> happening. I, I don't do TV. I don't do movies. I don't have any military metaphors or movie metaphors, but what I do have are my kids that help me learn, uh, uh, that, that help me uh, when, I'm, when I'm looking at them live and grow. I see, I hear God work through them, and, and I see God in them, and I have sports. Now, that might be just an, uh, um, an excuse to watch sports, but I do believe that as I'm watching sports, I feel the Lord is speaking to me. I can pick out um, important things and godly things in sports. So that's my excuse of why I get to watch sports, because the Lord speaks to me. Um, 
So I don't have any of those metaphors. I, I love sports because it just, it makes so much sense. I also have tons of useless wrestling metaphors, but I don't use them. I don't use those here. Not yet anyway. Uh, once, at, at some point I will. But um, sports are my thing. I love sports. One thing I like about sports are those, the, the post-game interviews. Have you guys ever seen those post-game interviews on, on the important big games, on the finals games? I love them because it's, it, it's, it's kind of cheesy. Right? They, they ask silly questions, and it's kind of obvious. They're kind of weird. Um, they talk about, like, you know, you just won the game and the championships. How do you feel? And it's kind of like, I'm happy. What are you talking about? What, what kind of stupid question is that, right? Um, they ask silly questions like, hey, you lost by 50. What, what are some thoughts that are going in your head? And, and the, the athlete has to sit there and just, like, look at these reports, like, what do you think I feel like? We just lost. Like, I'm happy. I'm thrilled. This is amazing. Right? So you, during these post-game interviews, you always get like this hilarious tension, right? Or, or an opportunity for some stupid moments, random questions. Um, some are very robotic, very pointless, annoying, and obvious. But every now and then, you'll get an interview that, that speaks to your heart. Or you get an interview where you, it kind of peels back the layers of where this person's mind space is at, or where his heart is at, or, or kind of like the, the, the persevering or the, even the disappointment, but you get a real raw picture of what's going on through this person's head at this moment. Um, it, it gives us a little snapshot of the person's makeup or, or their mind or their heart. So stick with me. We'll get into the Bible in a second. Um, I want to go back to 2009, and the Lakers have just beaten the Boston Celtics. Is there any Boston Celtics fans in here? Are you really a Boston Celtics fan? Can we pray for her? Lord, freedom in the name of Jesus. Oh, I didn't think there was actually Celtics fan. Now it just threw everything all off. Lord, I just pray for Angie right now. Deliverance. Um, 2009, the Lakers have just beat the Boston Celtics. Uh, the Lakers are now up 2-0. Um, they go up and, and end up winning the championship against the hated, despised, stupid Boston Celtics. Um, but in, after that game two, there's an interview process with or, or um, opportunity with Kobe Bryant. So Kobe Bryant sits in this chair, and if you know Kobe, he's always focused. He's, his demeanor is always, always locked in. And at this moment, it's no different. He comes in and sits down, and he's pissed. He looks pissed. He's angry. He's upset. He's locked in. He's focused. And, and the interviewer says, Kobe, um, why aren't you happy? You just, you just won the game. You, you, the Lakers are up 2-0, still no smile. And Kobe says, what is there to smile about? And another interviewer says, like, Kobe, what, what do you mean? You, you just beat the Celtics. You are up 2-0. You're doing well. You're looking good. Come on, man. Like, give us something. And Kobe kind of scoffed, and he goes, job's not done. The job's not done. You guys with me? He says, the job's not done. And something like that in a, in a, in a, in a, uh, a press conference or uh, that interview like that spoke to me. And, and, it, and, it, and it like really like grabbed my heart of, of this idea of like a good moment. They won. They're beating the Celtics. They're going to win the championship. Yet at that moment, the, the only thing that Kobe can think of is the next game. He knows that the job is not done. And, and ever since 2009, this, this, that phrase in my head, when it comes to the things of the Lord, 
reigns true. The job is not done. So as long as there's air in my lungs, as long as I am breathing, as long as I am waking up and I'm healthy and I'm able to speak and I'm able to walk and I'm able to move, the job is not done when it comes to the things of the good news and the gospel and in my life. The job is not done. All right, let's go to the scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Give you a few seconds to get there. If you do not have your Bibles, they will be up on the screen. But I want you to think about that quote. The job is not done. Keep that in your, in your mind. Write it down if you're taking notes. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I can do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. We have Paul again using an athletic reference. He's talking about running a race. He's talking about shadow boxing. He's talking about athletics. And he's using this as a metaphor to the kingdom of what God has called him to do and how God has called him to live. He's living his life as an athlete, training his body, being disciplined, running with purpose in every step so he can get the prize, right? In a race, everyone wins, but only one person gets the prize. So run your race to win. This is Paul's encouragement to the church. Now, I wanted to, and we talked about this in Father's Day, but I wanted to just make it, make it clear today to us that as we're running our race, we are not running for salvation. As we're running our race, and our race is laid out for us as our life, we are not running a race to earn salvation. There is nothing we can do to earn salvation. Salvation is a free gift given by Jesus. You guys got that? So as, as we're talking about running our race and living our life for Jesus, we're not living and running in a way to obtain salvation. It's already done. You guys with me? Salvation is a gift of God. There's nothing we can do to earn it. But running our race and living our life like this, as we press on and as we run to win, running like this is a manner or, or, or in this manner is a byproduct of our salvation. Does that make sense? So running hard running to win, training our bodies, being disciplined, following God, listening to God. It's not something we do so we can earn salvation, but it is a byproduct of our salvation. You guys with me? Sweet. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, quickly, gives us a, 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 a list of some, some things that our lives should look like. But I want to focus on this thing early. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions. This is Paul again, speaking to the, the church in Philippi. Dear friends, you've always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. And I want to focus on that. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. It doesn't say work hard to earn salvation or gain salvation, but work hard. Take this seriously to show the world the results of you saying yes to the Lord. 
Does that make sense? So salvation is nothing that we earn. It's nothing that we can do. It's not, there's nothing, no hard work and striving and working and being good and perfect to earn salvation. It's a free gift. But as we say yes to the Lord, our salvation looks like something. Amen. And then it continues, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. That sounds like today. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on a day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Tell your neighbor their work is not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. Our lives and our works and our service is not useless. It is an offering to the Lord. And we don't say yes to God and we don't serve the church and we don't serve people and we don't serve our ministries and each other to earn anything. It is a byproduct of this thing of salvation. Amen. But salvation does look like something. We have to work hard to show the results of our salvation. This is where I got two more scriptures. Two more scriptures, Philippians 3. And I have about nine and a half points for us. I thought nine was a little too less, least, and I thought, not, I thought 10 was a little too much because I want to make sure that you guys get to your barbecues on time. Amen. So I got five points in Philippians chapter 3. Once again, this is Paul writing to the church of Philippi, still using the, the, the race analogy and metaphor. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. So here we go. Paul saying, I have not achieved these things. I haven't reached perfection, but I press on. I press on. I have not achieved it. I am not there. I have not arrived, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God through Jesus Christ is calling us. I have five points that I pull out of this portion of scripture that is going to help us uh, run this race, run this race of life. Amen? Five things. So if you're taking notes, number one, a point that is needed, if we are going to finish this race and run this race the way God has called us, we are going to need to be dissatisfied. Dissatisfied. It's a lack of satisfaction. 
Now, when I say dissatisfied, it sounds like a negative thing. But you want me to be dissatisfied? Like, I'm supposed to have joy in the Lord. I'm supposed to love God. I'm supposed to take in everything and, and, and enjoy everything. So why would you say I need to be dissatisfied? You want me, like, to not even know why I'm running or running this race, complaining? No, we read in the last scripture that do everything without complaining and arguing, right? So it's not a dissatisfaction that, that comes from serving God. It's not that kind of dissatisfaction. But when we read Philippians, Paul says, I have not attained it or achieved it or reached perfection. And I'm going back to that quote by Kobe. It says, the job is not done. I am not satisfied. I am not finished yet. There is still air in me. There's still life in me. I am not done. I am not satisfied with where I'm at or how I've ran because the race is not finished. I have not arrived. There is more work to do. There is more people to love. There is more people to serve. There is more people to reach. That is an, a, a mind space or a mindset that says, I am not satisfied with what I did last year. I'm not satisfied with what I did 15 years ago. I'm not satisfied with how, how amazingly we served the kids eight years ago in the life of our church. There is more. There is more. God is calling me to more. Uh, yes, I love my neighbors well, but guess what? There's a new neighbor. But I'm not satisfied with how I loved my previous neighbors. There's a new one to love. Do you guys get what I'm saying? So there is a, a godly dissatisfaction taking place here. Paul the apostle is not saying that he is perfect, but Paul was very wise, very mature, and though Paul was very satisfied with Jesus, and that's, that's key, Paul was completely satisfied with Jesus, but Paul was never satisfied when it came to the work of Jesus. There was always something to do. There was always something more. There was more work to be done. Sometimes we can get satisfied with the way we run our race or the way we live out our life because we have a problem. We, this issue, we all do it, right? And, and, and the reason why we get satisfied because with our race is because we look at other people's races. We look at other people run their race and we go, you know what? I mean, my race is good and I've ran my race for a few years, but, you know, Ken's been running this race for, for the last 30 years. And, and I'm only running this race for like five years, and I'm, I feel like I'm doing a lot better than him. You know, I, I pray a little bit louder, and, and my Bible's a little bit bigger, and, and I show up on time, and, you know, I'm just running this race. But you start looking at, at, at everybody else's race, and you go, you know what? You start getting satisfied with that and go, I'm, I'm doing a whole lot better than Eli. Like, Eli's like skipping in his race, and, and I'm over here trucking, and I'm, you know, I got spit coming out of my mouth, and so I'm doing better because I'm running a little bit harder. And that's a problem. We can't do that. Man, I'm doing so much better than them. I'm running so much harder than her. I'm doing way more than her. So obviously my race is already a wrap. We compare our running with others who are not making much progress. Or we take snapshots of those people who are not taking progress. And you go, you know what? Well, they still come to church. Or they still come, and, and people still like them and talk to them. So, so obviously, I'm good. I can take a day off. I can lay off the gas. I can coast a little bit. God still loves me. But we should always be growing and learning and maturing and moving forward 
in Christ. We can never be satisfied with what we did yesterday. We can never be satisfied with how things used to be 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Our race is a daily race. It's a marathon, and we run every day to win. Does that make sense? Do not be satisfied with where you're at. Number two, devotion. Paul says, I focus on this one thing in, in, in Mark chapter 10. It's the, the story of the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler finds Jesus, comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, what do I have to do to, to gain eternal life? And, and God or Jesus gives him a, a long list of things. Keep all the commandments, do this, do that. And the rich young ruler says, I've done those things. I'm good, I'm set. So, so what else do I gotta do? And Jesus goes, well, but there's one thing. There's one thing you got to do. You got to sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. Then you, can, then you can follow me. Then you can have eternal life. And the rich young ruler couldn't do it. He couldn't give up all those things. He couldn't give up his possessions. He couldn't give up his money. Because that one thing was a little bit higher and a little bit more important, and a little bit greater to, to, uh, compared to Jesus and following Jesus. Right? So we got to focus on that one thing, Jesus. That's the answer, right? We know that. Jesus is that one thing. Nothing can be higher than Jesus in our lives as we run this race. As we're running our race, our focus and our goal is Jesus. Not to finish faster than somebody else, not to get there first, not to run harder than everybody else. Our focus is Jesus. And we must be devoted to Jesus and running this race for Jesus. Not running this race so we can look good. Not running race, our, our race so we can look better than others. We run our race for Jesus. We are completely devoted to this race for Jesus. Let's take an Olympic runner, for example. They are devoted to one thing, competing and winning that race. They eat, sleep, breathe running. Eat, sleep, breathe training. Eat, sleep, breathe the Olympics. Eat, sleep, getting on that podium. That's all that matters to them. They are devoted. They sacrifice. There's things they cut out of their lives. There's things that they're focused on. There's things that they, that they won't do because their only focus, their sole focus is getting to the Olympics. The definition of devotion means a love or a loyalty or enthusiasm for a person, activity, or a cause. Some of us in this room are devoted to things that have no eternal value. We're devoted to the wrong things. There's no eternal value to the things that we are devoted to. My question for us this morning is, what are you devoted to this morning? Is there one thing that is greater than Jesus in our lives? Is there one thing that we're unwilling to sacrifice for Jesus because we just can't let that go? If so, I hope that we would deal with that this morning. We must be devoted to running the race for Jesus. Number three, direction. Direction is important. As Christians, we should always look forward to the future. We should always look forward. Forgetting the things of the past. That makes sense. Forgetting the things of the past. How many times in our lives, in our race, that that past gets in the way. That past slows us down. That past hinders us. That past distracts us. And we start to move back and we start to backpedaling. Or some of us all together just turn the whole, we just stop the whole race and just go backwards. But Paul is saying, I forget the past. So we have to understand as sons and daughters of Christ, our direction is important. 
And to forget the past does not mean that we failed to remember it. To forget the past doesn't mean like we just blank stare, never happened. We, it just clears out of our mind and our hearts. We're not affected ever by it. That's not what that means. But to forget does not mean to fail to remember, but it means that we can no longer be influenced or affected by the past. And that's what we need to get to as, as sons and daughters of Christ. Amen? We look forward. There's a race to run. The runners and the Olympics and athletes, they don't run. They don't look backwards as they're running. They look forward. They are focused. Direction is important. Are we looking forward when it comes to our marriages? Are we looking forward when it comes to our parenting? Are we looking forward when it comes to our ministries? Are we looking forward with those people that we allow in our lives that, that help us draw us back to the past? We must look forward. We look forward. What is your trajectory this morning, church? And I know I've said a few things that are, are kind of judgy, and I don't mean to judge this morning. And I, and I do believe that a lot of us are, are devoted to things that are not, don't have any eternal value. And I also believe that there's a lot of us who haven't moved forward in Jesus, that we've just stopped or we have even went backwards. We've fallen back. Jesus has been a little bit out of our sight. And especially coming out of what we've came out of over the last two years, I can see that happen. We get into ruts, and we get into um, um, just okay with the distance between us and Jesus. But we need to be moving forward. We have to be moving forward. We must focus forward. If we focus on our past, we'll stay there. There's something about the past, even no matter how bad it was, there's something in us as humans that like just want to stay there. We want to talk about it, and we want to we spend time with it, and we want to complain about it, and we just want to let it fester, and we can't do that. It's unhealthy to this race. We get shackled by the past. We get paralyzed by the past. We have regrets of the past, and it just comes back up as we're trying to move forward in our race. But we allow that past to, to dictate where we're going. Not even bad stuff. What about the success of the past? Where the glory days, where, man, my old church was amazing. It was so big and so awesome, and there's smoke machines. This church don't have none of that. Right? Little things like that. That's just a bad example. Success of the past. All my friends, all my worldly friends were a lot cooler than my Christian friends. Things like that. That's a real thing. People say that. They can't get out of the past. They need to bring those people along, and, and they just want to go back because our, my Christian friends are just so weird. They don't cuss. I'm not talking about our church. We got a lot of Christian people who cuss in, in this church. I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying it's true. I'm not going to be up here and lie. But they're just so weird. They don't do those things that I used to do. And it's just weird. They want to know about your life. And they ask you how you're doing. And it's just, ugh, like, get out of my, right? We got to move forward. We can't win this race by looking backwards. Number four, determination. Pressing on. Tell your neighbor to press on. We must be pressing on, persevering in our race. Paul says, I press on. That lets me know it's hard. It's tough. It's not easy. 
This isn't an easy race. Going back to uh, the Olympic metaphors, for an Olympic runner, resilience is not built on the podium. Resilience and determination is not built on the podium. It's not built when everything is going well, but in the lowest moments of an athlete's career. Same with us. Our resilience is not built when we're in heaven. Our resilience and our determination is not built when everything is well. We persevere in our lowest moments, in the valleys, in the trials, in the storms. Olympic runners, when they are up against a wall, when we are up against a wall, we overcome hurdles. Olympic runners overcome hurdles. It's an essential skill for all Olympians. It's not how hard you fall that defines you, but how well you pick yourself back up and continue competing. And we've all heard that. Will you continue fighting, running, persevering, and bouncing back in this life as we serve Jesus? Number five, discipline. Discipline is an important one. Our preparation. Olympian, Olympians will train for years before they are granted the chance to even compete. And in those few moments, in those few moments of a race, in a few moments, everything they train for is put to a test. The difference between legends and ordinary athletes is their ability to continue training through cold winter months, crazy temperatures, um, injuries, moments of self-doubt. To become the greatest at any discipline, athletes must play hard, compete harder, and train the hardest, setting themselves up for success with years of preparation. And as sons and daughters, church, as sons and daughters of Jesus, we must be prepared to live a life in such a way that we do not stop running when bad things happen. We must live a life in such a way that we don't stop leading ever. We don't stop loving and we don't stop serving when, when the church doesn't have coffee, right? We, we, we don't stop leading and we don't stop serving and we don't stop moving forward when something happens that we don't agree with. We move forward. We live with purpose in everything we do. We run to win. As Christians, we can never be satisfied with the status quo. We must remain devoted to Jesus. We must continue to run forward, and we must be determined and disciplined. Amen. Amen. Quickly, Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 4, I have my last four and a half points for us today. Hebrews 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with the endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. So I want to just quickly 
dissect this portion of scripture. Hebrews 12. I want to talk about this, this cloud of witnesses. The, and in the Bible, it says these cloud of witnesses are like heroes of faith. And oftentimes, I read that scripture, and, and, and in me, to me, it paints this picture that all of these heroes of faith that have gone before us, all of these people who have served God, all of these people who have died for Jesus, who, who have lived for Jesus, are, are up in heaven watching us, and they're spectating how we live our lives, right? That's kind of how it sounds. And I've always really thought about that, like that this grand Roman type of cathedral, right? And everyone is just up in heaven, like cheering us on. And, and I want to just be clear that the word witnesses here does not mean that they are spectating us. Our English word um, um, martyr comes directly from the Greek word witness. So this cloud of people, the heroes of faith that we read in, in Hebrews 11, um, are, are not up in heaven watching us. They're not witnessing how we live or how we run our race, technically. Um, I, I doubt that they are. Um, but, but what it's saying is that they bear witness to us. That these, these men and these women who have come before us bear witness to us so that when we look at their lives, we can see that God, has, 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 um, that God can see us through just like God saw them through. Amen? And that's what it's like for our race too. We're not the only ones to take this journey. People have ran this race before us. As, as I mentioned, Hebrews 11, if you have time, read that scripture. It's called the Hall of Faith. Our spiritual ancestors, such as Abraham and Noah, and they, they've answered the call. They, they, they ran their race that, that God has set before them. Their example of how they lived their lives left a legacy that gives us encouragement, that gives us strength, that gives us a picture that if they can do it, we can do it too. But we, always, we don't always have to look back to find runners of old. We can find some winners and runners in here today, amen, in our chairs today, in RLA today. We have men and women who have said yes to the Lord, who have been steady, who have kept the faith, who have fought the fight. They have not finished the race yet, but they are still running with, with purpose in every step. I'm not saying that there's tons of people in here who are perfect and they got it all together, but what I'm saying is look to the left and to the right view. These are people who have said yes to Jesus and that they have not finished and they have not stopped running their race. So God has placed us together as the body of Christ to live out this journey, to run this race together. We all have our own individual race, but we can use that race to be a testimony to others. Amen? Seeing the powerful examples of faithfulness that are in this room, seeing the powerful examples of faithfulness around you can give you the courage um, that you need to charge ahead. As you know, church, we are stronger together. You cannot do this on your own. God does not want you to do this on your own. That's why he brings us together. That's why he allows us to sharpen each other, to encourage each other, to love each other, to, 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 um, to, to root for us and to cheer each other on because it's needed. It's needed, church. If you are running this race together, you're running it wrong. I mean, alone. If you are running this race alone, you're running it wrong. If you're running it together, you're doing what God has asked you to do. Amen? Number two, let us strip off every weight, everything that slows us down, especially the sin that easily trips us up. Throw off, strip off 
everything that slows you down, anything that weighs you down. Let's think about that for a bit. What are some things that weigh us down? What are some things that make us slow and sluggish? What are some things that distract and hinder our race? We've talked a little bit about that in the previous uh, portions in, in, in time. But what about for you individually? What are some things that weigh you down? What are some things that are slowing you down, that are distracting you from focusing on what God has asked you to focus on? You know, it doesn't always have to be bad things, like I said. It can be good things. There's a lot of good things in our life that hinder us from running our race the way God has called us to do. There's a lot of amazing things that hinder us and slow us down from, from running this race the way God has called us to do. How about our jobs? Our jobs can do that. What about our kids? Our kids can slow us down from what God is calling us to do in running this race. Our calendars. Our calendars can be a, a hindrance because we just never have time. We just fill it up with a, a million things to do, good things, great things. Name it, whatever. But if, if there's never any a time for actually us to move forward and continue running our race, those things are hindering us. Warren Risby writes, a winning athlete does not choose between good and the bad. He chooses between the better and the best. I would believe the same thing is for us. We're not choosing. We all know bad things are bad things. But there's some good things. Like I mentioned, those etern the things that we focus on to have no eternal value, those might be good things. But we're not choosing between, oh, that's clearly bad. Sometimes we need to make a decision about, hey, this is not the best thing for me to be doing as I'm running my race for Jesus. It's a good thing, but it's not the best thing, not right now. And that's okay. To be, we need to strip off sin. Let's talk about the bad stuff. Some translations say lay aside the sin that entangles us. Strip off the sin. The scripture is saying that we must remove anything that may hinder us or slows us down from running and finishing this race. Church, we need to remove, get serious and focus about removing the sin that is, that, that is tripping us up in our life. There's no place for that. And if you're sinning in here, hey, welcome to the club, but we don't have to continue sinning. We can lay those things at Jesus. We can repent and we can turn our backs on that sin and start focusing on Jesus. Amen? It has to be that deliberate because we must finish our race. We need to slow things down or, or um, get removed the things that are slowing us down. Our thoughts, our man-made plans, our habits, our hobbies, the voices, the people, the fear. How about the sin of unbelief? Where we're here today as a church and we're saying, you know what? This doesn't apply to me. I don't believe this. I don't believe God has called me to run this race. I don't believe that I can run this race. I don't believe God can give me the strength that's needed to run this race. I don't believe that God can, can encourage or people in this room can encourage me to run this race. I don't believe that God has a call for me. I don't believe that God has a purpose for me. We doubt God's power. We doubt God's plan. We doubt his love for us. Those thoughts can easily trip us up and we must strip those things off today, church. Number three, we, want, we run with endurance. We run with perseverance, the race that is set before us. We ought to understand, church, that we do not select the course. God has set out this race before us, for it is God who established it. 
This race we run for Christ. We do not run this race to make ourselves look better, to make ourselves look bigger, to make ourselves look like we got it all together. We don't run this race for ourselves. We run it because God has placed us in this race, and we run this race to glorify Jesus. Amen. In spite of trials, in spite of persecution, we run this race with endurance. This race is an endurance race. It's a marathon. It's not a simple foot, uh, foot race. It's not a sprint. It's not, let me start the race, and then I'm done, and I'll be done in a few steps. No, this is a marathon. It's a lifetime. Daily, we run the race that God has set before us. I have a race to run. You have a race to run, and I can't run your race, and you can't run mine. You have to run your race. Your life is a race that God has given you. Purpose, direction, it's your race. It's not you versus me. I don't need to be faster than you. I don't need to have, I don't, I don't need you to try to catch up to me or catch up to Joe or catch up to Lewis. You need to just run your race, your pace that God has given you faith for. Amen. We all have a race to run and we shouldn't stop until we reach the finish line. As I said in the beginning, the job is not done. And number four, fixing our eyes on Jesus, focused on the Lord. Focus on the Lord. Do not focus to the left and to the right of you. Focus on the Lord. Church, lift your head. Lift your head. Lift your head above the clouds. Lift your head above the negativity. Lift your head above, uh, above politics and social media. Lift your head above what's happening in your workspace. Lift your head about what's happening in your home life. Lift your head about what's happening in your marriage. Whatever it may be, lift your head and focus on the Lord. Looking on to Jesus. It's a powerful sentence that describes an attitude, not just a single act. Runners are focused on one thing, and that's the finish line. They're not looking around, waving to the crowd. They're not taking time to sign autographs or stopping to take selfies. They are running with a purpose, and they are running with a goal. Where are your eyes fixed this morning, church? Are they fixed on your circumstances? Are they focused on someone else's circumstances? Are you focused on someone else's race? We must fix our eyes on the Savior, we must focus our eyes on Jesus. Run the race that is set before you, but run with the hope that God wants you to have in Christ. We don't run aimlessly. We don't run with no purpose. God has set this race before us, this life before us. Amen. Church, we must continue to press on towards the goal. Run every step with purpose. Get rid of the things in your life that trip you up and entangle you, the good things and the bad things. We choose the best things, right? We fix our eyes on Jesus, and we don't stop until we reach the finish line. Can we pray this morning? We can. Can we stand up? Now, personally, I'm not a runner. I don't like to run. I don't want to run. 
Gavin's not here, so I'm free to say that. But I do understand that God has placed us in a race. And in my life and in my race, I run with joy. I run with purpose. And I run to finish the race. To be honest, I'm not perfect, not every day, but I try to be. And I know that God is calling each and every one of us as RLA to run this race in this manner, with joy and with purpose that glorifies the Lord. Amen? Can we pray? Lord, I look around this room, and I see men and I see women that are running their race. that are running their race to glorify you to the best of their ability. Some may be running in their own strength. Some may be running with their own understanding. Some may be running with the power that you have given them. Lord, and I pray, God, that that would be each and every one of us in this room, Lord, that we would run with a purpose, that we would run with an endurance and a perseverance that only you can give us, King Jesus. Lord, help us understand the importance of this race that you have set before us. Lord God, we want to run for you in every step. God, we want to run, Lord, to be a testimony to the other saints that are running their race as well. Lord, I, and I pray, God, that we, can, we would run, Lord, knowing that it's not only for, for, for you, God, but also for our brothers and sisters who are coming alongside Give us focus, God. Give us strength to love our world and to love others, to love you, that we would have the the energy and the focus, determination, the devotion, God, to run this race, to give you glory, and to advance your kingdom. Lord, help us persevere. Help us endure, God, in times of hardship in weakness. Lord, we, 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 we fix our eyes not on our other our brothers and sisters' race, Lord, but we focus and we fix our eyes on you, King Jesus. Lord, I pray, God, that, this, that, that there would be purpose, Lord, in every door that we walk through, in every step that we take, in every conversation that needs to be had, God. circling back to legacy, Lord, so so we can leave, God, an imprint in others' lives. And I know that might be hard for some, God, because we're so focused on us, and we're just trying to make it ourselves, and we're just trying to figure things out ourselves, Lord, but I pray, God, that in this room, these people, God, your church, Lord, RLA, God, would know that there is purpose in the race that they are running, to be a light, to be a, 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 a... a race of change and transformation. Purpose in every conversation, in every step as they run, Lord. Help us, God, devote ourselves to you. Help us, Lord, to devote ourselves to to running this race, no matter how hard it may be, no matter how slow it may be, God. Lord, I pray we would run to glorify you. In your mighty name, Jesus, amen.
just want to, um, if there's anybody in this room who has not given their life to the Lord, um, I don't know everybody's uh, spiritual life in this room, um, but still, we, we just with that, I, w- I would like to just give an opportunity that if, with everybody's heads bowed, eyes closed, if you've never given your life to the Lord, if you're saying, Steve, I'm hearing you run this race, I'm hearing you talk about Jesus, but I don't even know him. I've never even given my life to him. I want to run this race. What's my first step? We got to accept Jesus in our life. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if that's you and you've never, you've never accepted the Lord, just raise your hand where you're at. Nobody's looking. This is between you and the Lord. Lord, help us run our race, God. Thank you, Lord, for dying for us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, God, for calling us. Lord, we give everything to you to follow you this morning. We repent of our sins. We repent of the way we ran the race in the past. But, Lord, we look to you this morning. In your mighty name, Jesus, amen. Awesome, church. Hey, guys. Definitely love you. Um, Enjoy your 4th of July weekend. Please be safe. Please do not do anything Jesus wouldn't do. Um, and, And enjoy your family. Enjoy your time. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you guys next week.